All right, who is ready for the word of the Lord today? You know, we were, I was talking, you know, not too long ago, you know, I think like, you know, one of my, my kids, they had, you know, fell and they had scraped themselves and, you know, they got, you know, like a scar out of it. How many have ever gotten a scar on their body before? And, uh, you know, we were just talking about, it. I said, you know, scars often, you know, remind us of things about what have happened, you know, to us. Like I got scars all over my body. I remember, you know, once when I was a kid, I decided, I thought it was a really smart thing to stick my hand into the vacuum cleaner. And, uh, you know, I was like picking up something it didn't, the vacuum, I kept going over it, and it wasn't working, so I decided I was going to pick up that thing and just kind of throw it into the vacuum cleaner. Well, back then, you know, it wasn't like all these, like, suction-type vacuums. It was like the ones that, you know, that roll, and it was like, whoosh, and, uh, you know, and I'm jumping around the basement, and my brothers are looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I stuck my hand in the vacuum cleaner, and they're like, that was brilliant, and, you know, so I got a scar on my hand from that, and then I got another scar on my hand here because I, I went to the movies with my sister when we were younger, and you know, it was like this great fascinating night, and we come home, and we never, we never did things together like this, so this was kind of like a whole evening or, ordeal, and we, and we decided we were going to make homemade pizzas, and so, I, and, and my sister decided she wanted mushrooms on her pizza, and I don't even like mushrooms, but I'm like, all right, let's have some mushrooms, so I'm opening up a can of mushrooms, and, 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 back, and, and, and I'm using the, the can opener on it, and the next thing you know, my hand slips, and I'm like, Shoo! And I sliced my and I sliced my thumb, and I you know put a pretty good gash in it, so I got a scar from that. And I'm like thinking about all these different things. And I'm like, you know, this other time I had a house, and I'm walking down. We had this like rolling like a, a bending staircase. You guys got a bending staircase, and I'm just walking down the bending staircase, and my hands dragging on the wall, and I bring my hand down like this, and the door hinge on the alarm door panel, you know those little panels. It was just open a little bit. It was just opened up a little bit of a crack, and my hand brushed it. And it literally just scratched my wrist. It was like a scratch. Like, you know, like, you know when you get those little ones that are like dot, 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 like scratches, you know what I'm talking about? And it left this whole scar on my hand. Like, it looks like I, like, you know, tried to cut my wrist. Like, it's, like it's a pretty... And every time I see this, it reminds me, I'm like... Some of those events that I went through were pretty traumatic. You know, they were like a bigger ordeal. I got a scar on my hip from when I had my um, jaw surgery 25 years ago, and they took bone out of my hip, and they put it in my face, right? You know, that was, that's, a, that's a bigger scar, but I remember that. But then these little ones like this took place too, and it wasn't even like it was a traumatic ordeal, but it still had a big impact on my life. And the effects of those things sometimes can last for years and years and years, right? But, but there's always, there's, there's a purpose a lot of times for these scars that take place in our lives. Am I right? They marked you up. They marked me up. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you guys have scars in your life? I mean, you know, physical scars, emotional scars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've been there, done that. <laughs> Threw them at the feet of the cross, you know. <laughs> um, but today we're actually going to talk about being marked, and I feel like this has been a message. I don't know where I'm going to go. I might just go off the notes tonight. I'm not sure, but tonight it's, I don't know, maybe we'll stay here till tonight. We'll see what happens. But um, I just feel like God's put a message in my heart, and he just kept um, just telling me and showing me um, places in the Bible about being marked. And, um, and it just kept coming up in all of my Bible readings. And, uh, and so I just felt like God really had something. And so um, he took me to the story of Noah. So I, I want to talk to you guys right now, first off, with the story of Noah. This is in the book of Genesis. Um, but before I even get into the story. Are you going to sing the story of Noah like we sang this morning on the pre-show? I, I was singing with you earlier. You just didn't hear me. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Oh, okay. No, no. You don't sing it either. My lips are sealed. <laughs> All right, before we even read about what Noah did in his life, there was actually a prophecy that was spoken over him when he was born. And this is in Genesis chapter 5, verse 29, and it says, And he called his name Noah, saying, The one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And so here this is a, a, a prophetic word that's spoken over Noah, Nobody knows at this point what Noah is going to go on to do, but in that prophecy, it actually states that, you know, he's going to go on and he's going to build an ark and he's going to save mankind, the future of mankind. But what's interesting about this is that 
Noah's name means comfort or rest. And if you don't really know the life of Noah, what you might think that this means is that Noah gets me. He knows that life is extremely difficult, and he is coming to just comfort me and say, pat me on the back and be like, you know what? I'm with you. Life is hard. Let's do this together. You know? I'm with you. Oh, happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> it is my birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm uh, catching up to Sher Pastor Sherry really quick, guys. <laughs> he says that and I just laugh because you guys all know that I'm a lot younger than him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to Noah here. Um, so, so yeah, so you might think that, you know, he's saying he's going to pat you on the back. But what's really saying is that he's going to come and, he sees, and he, uh, he sees and he understands that there is destruction and there is um, evil in mankind. And things are not going the way that God intended. And so he's here to implement a plan to be, a, to be able to make a way for the future of mankind to still be on the pathway of Christ right? Mm -hmm. Which, if you didn't know the life of Noah, you wouldn't necessarily think that. And, uh, and so, really what happened in the end was that Noah brought rest and comfort back to the earth. Uh, the earth was in a state of turmoil back then, right? And if you take a look at it, I want to read actually in verse that says, the earth was full of wickedness and God actually sought to destroy the earth. That takes place in Genesis uh, 6, I believe, verse 7. It says, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. Then we hear a little bit more here, and it says in Genesis 6, 5 and 6, 11, it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this almost sounds like the day and age that we're already living in right now. It says, every intent of the thoughts of their heart was evil continually, continually. And then it says, and the Lord saw, or sorry, and then it says, and the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. This is the state, you know, I mean, later on, we're going to bring in a verse that says, and so, and it talks about, it says, and so it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And really, this is, you know, all of these things are all pre uh, precursors as to, you know, different things, biblical prophecies that are coming that are continuing to be able to be fulfilled in our day and age. But there's another circumstance that was actually taking place on the earth at this time. So we got all of these, this wickedness and corruption and, and just evil intentions that are flowing forth out of mankind. But on top of it, it says in Genesis, and I want to read this out in Genesis 6, verse 2 and verse 4. And it says, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all they chose. And then when you jump to verse four, it says, and there were giants on the earth those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men that were of old and men of renown. So what was happening is you had a supernatural being, a fallen angel that was coming in and being intimate with the daughters of men, and they were producing an unholy, impure offspring of giants. And there was a purpose to why they were doing that. And what would happen is, is that, see, from, from when Adam was born, there was a bloodline that was produced. It's always about the blood. Okay, and you always got to remember that it always goes back to the blood. So there was a bloodline that was produced through Adam. And what ended up happening eventually is generation after generation after generation came and produced to the Messiah. And it had to be a pure bloodline. But when the angels came and, and, and had produced these impure offsprings of giants, what they were doing is they brought in a corrupted seed into the earth. And the intent was to be able to break the pure bloodline from Adam to the second Adam of Jesus Christ. And this is why God talks about, you know, the, to destroy 
right, the, the, the impure generations of what had taken place with that offspring. And I want to bring out here, and it says, there's, a, there's two words that kind of came out. It says, I want to bring to your attention the word saw. And it says, which speaks literally to see concerning or gazing upon, but it also makes another reference to being marked. And it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they took them. So, they, so we can translate that and say they marked them. Okay, and then they took them. What they thought was good. And then it says on here, and we saw in verse 5, what did it say? It says, and the Lord saw the wickedness of man. For the Lord saw, or what did he do? He marked the wickedness of mankind on the earth and, he, and, then, and willed to destroy them. See, what we're, what we're seeing here is a trend that was taking place in these, in these two kind of chapters. In chapter 5 and chapter 6, we're seeing this trend of this word marked. Okay, and I want to bring out, you know, when we talk about marked, you know, there's, there's, it's, it, it talks about almost like where you're isolating out something out of a context of something that is around it. Okay, so when I, when you mark something, you know, there's a whole bunch of different examples of this. Like if I'm, if I'm playing a video game, you know, I'm playing a video game with my son, right? And we're, and we're fighting, you know, the enemy. There's a button you can push on that game and you mark the enemy over there, and you isolate them out of the group of all the other ones, and you say, who are we attacking, or who's hitting us? And you mark it over there, and you really, you bring them out, right? You make a distinction about who that is. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And so we, we have this phrase that we often are using, right, about marking things. And we do this all the time, right? I mean, there, we talk about that's a marked man over there. Or, you know, or he's marked for death, right? There's all kinds of things. And really what we're doing is we're bringing and we're highlighting and we're bringing to an attention something that is different than everyone else that's around them. But there's a, there's a distinction that is being made. Absolutely. And there's lots of different um, ways that people can be marked and things that can be marked. And mm -hmm. I have here, this is one of my most precious things that I have. This is Pastor Rick's Bible, and um, he gave it to me, and I love it because when I open it up, here, hold this for a second. You guys can see here, it is marked up completely. And so I can sit here, and I can go through and see all the marks that he's made in his Bible, and I can glean from all the understanding and all the wisdom that he's poured in, and he did when he was studying using this Bible. There's another Bible I'm holding out for too, but this is the one I got right now. But, but there are things, and just as, you know, we mark our Bibles up and we, and we want to make a distinction for a, a, a scripture verse or, um, you know, we're reading a scripture and we want to add our own, uh, you know, notes to it, we are making a mark in there. And so, you know, there, there are so many things that can happen when we're, when we're marking things, and Noah was marked by God. And um, here's the thing, I want to go... Um, Genesis 6, 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What's interesting here is that Pastor Brian's talking about the wickedness that was going on in the, in the land. Like, there was so much that was happening that, like, you know, it, it was crazy. And when we talk about Noah, a lot of times we talk about, like, people must have thought he was crazy because here he was, like, I'm going to build this ark, and they had never seen rain before. And so here's this man who's building this massive ark, not even just a small little, you know, um, boat, but he's building a massive ark, a massive boat, and it hadn't even rained before. So a lot of times we talk about how, you know, that must have made him look crazy. But I don't think that that was the thing that people were talking about. I think that was coupled with it, but I think that they, he's, him and his family stood apart from everybody else because they consecrated their lives to God. It says that they were, uh, that Noah found uh, grace in the sight of the Lord, and he was a just man, perfect in his generations, which means that none of his family was entertaining the wickedness. That was going on in the city. They weren't even getting close to the line. You know how many times some, sometimes we, we talk about, you know, like how close can we get to the line before we get over and we cross over to the edge, right? They weren't even close to the edge. They were set apart. They were consecrated. They were um, distinct from the ways of the world. And it says that because of this, they were marked. And my question today is, what does your life look like 
in comparison to the world? Are the things that you're engaging in, the things that you're, you're doing on a daily basis, you know, Monday through Saturday, does it look a lot like the world or does it look a lot like Noah? Does it feel a little bit crazy where you're, you're kind of out in the left field and nobody's doing things the same way that you're doing things? Or are we fitting in with the status quo? Are we fitting in with what our friends are doing, with what people expect us to do? And I remember when I was, uh, when I was younger, you guys know I'm a very black and white person. I always have been. And um, I've always been like a stickler for the rules. Like, you know, what is right is right, and I'm going to follow the rules all the way to the very end. And so I was one of those people that at school, um, I just did what is right. And I had people like, you know, hey, you want to go see this movie? Like, no, I can't. I'm not allowed. Like, you don't have to tell your parents. Like, no, I'm not allowed. And it was, and I remember I felt a lot like I was segregated, and I was kind of the outcast, and I was the misfit, and I was like set set apart from everybody, and I didn't really feel like it was a good thing, although I couldn't get rid of that feeling of I have to do what is right. And now I look back and I realize that that, that was a right choice, and the world makes us feel like we're missing out on things, and the world makes us feel like we don't fit in with them, but in reality, God is saying, you're not meant to fit in with the world. He says, be in this world, not of this world. And so we need to make sure that our lives are looking a whole lot more like Jesus and a whole lot more like what Noah was exemplifying here than the world. You know, I, you know even just to kind of add on to that, I mean, we can even get into that even within our own Christian walk. You know, we can, you know, is, is the world really able to distinguish the difference between us and the world? Okay, that's kind of what, that's what Pastor Sherry is really talking about, right? Like, like if we're, of this world, I'm sorry, we're in this world, but not of this world, and we should be distinguished as being different. And that's what God calls us. When he calls us into the kingdom of God, he's making a distinction of us, and it should be recognizable to those around you that you're different. They should be able to identify within you that you have, you're, you're, you're distinguished and you're different from the world that is around you. Right? There's, there's something about that. And see, when Noah was called here, it says that he, he built an ark, right? This is what God commanded him to do. And if you take a look at what happens in Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, right? He says, you know, I want you to, and he gives him all these dimensions about what he wants to do in building an ark, you know, out of gopher bark. And, and then he, you know, he says, make it this tall, and I want this many layers to, and I want it this wide, and I want you to do it. And you know how long, and here's the interesting thing, do you know how long it took Noah to build that ark? A hundred years. How many get told by God to do something and after about a week of it, you're like, God, it's too much. <laughs> I don't want to do this, right? People are making fun of me already. You know, I remember moments when I had, a, I, I, had a, I had a job when I was working in the States and kept, you know, different things were just kept going on. And, and I was trying to, to move on and get a promotion at work at one point. And I remember, you know, uh, we, were, we were in a place where we just had a bad attitude. Anyone ever just have a bad attitude? And, and uh, Pastor Barb shaking her head, never, eh? <laughs> and, uh, and so anyways, I said, I said um, at the time, and I remember my wife going, you know, she goes, you know, you ever think that maybe it's just your attitude? And I was like, ouch, you know, isn't that the way God always talks to you, right? You know, generally through your spouse. And, uh, and so anyways, I just remember um, correcting my attitude and repenting of it. And, and, and I remember going back in and we had this whole thing, you know, in our office where we just had a lot of fun having a bad attitude, you know, because generally when you got a bad attitude, there's a lot of other people around you who, who have bad attitudes too, right? You know what I'm talking about? And a lot about? of people cover it up with, with humor. With humor yeah. and sarcasm, right? And that's what we were doing. We were, we were having a lot of fun. And I remember I came in and I said, guys, I can't participate in this anymore. And it was just like, oh, Brian, you're such a drag. I can't believe, you know, you, you're, you're going to do this and so forth. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I just I can't do it. We have a bad attitude. And, and, and I remember it just kind of, you know, like over the next couple of weeks, it was just like, you know, being made fun of. And, and you know, I'm, you know, the out, you know, now I'm the misfit in the office and whatnot. And, but, you know, after a while, it changed, right? And they recognized and ended up, uh, you know, God released and I was able to end up getting that promotion immediately upon changing my attitude, but I just remember when I made that stance, I stood out. There was something different. I didn't fit right in with the world at that particular time in the decision. And, and Noah, he built all the specifications of this ark, and then they, you know, it says that then the, 
the rains came, and as Pastor Sherry said, never even rained on the earth before. It used to be yeah, the fountains of the deep actually is what came up and actually watered the, the, the water of the earth. And it says that when the rains came, it says also that the fountains of the earth actually erupted as well. And so then you had water coming from all over the place. And then they're in this state for months and months and months, right? And, and, and they're floating here at the earth. And then it says, and, but, but Noah did in Genesis 6, 22, thus says Noah, he did all according to all that God commanded him, so did he, okay? He was obedient, okay? He was obedient to do what God had asked him to do, and he was in submission, right? He did it with the right attitude, he didn't sit there and complain. We don't see chapter upon chapter, you know, of Noah's, you know, concourse with God, you know, where he's arguing with God. He just, he was obedient and he did it. And, and it says here, and I really believe this is important because Noah was a consecrated life over to God. He wasn't worried about his image, okay? You know, you, you watch all these little, you know, even movies, you know, and you can imagine what it was like building this ark for 100 years, what the neighbors would have thought. Okay, and it didn't deter him. He wasn't worried about what everyone else thought. He was concerned about what God thought. He was concerned about the image that he was representing of God and the obedience of God and not that of the world around him. And there was a distinction that was made. And it says actually here, it says that the Bible actually says that only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. So as an act of all that obedience, it says God brought all of them, him and his household, into the ark only. And it says that word remained actually is this word sear. Am I pronunciating that correctly? And it means, you know what it means? It means to swell up or to be a remnant. And that word swell, uh, you know, it's been, it's been something that's been really on Pastor Sherry and my, my heart a lot. We've just been hearing this word swell up right, and swell, and when you think about that often, you know, there's multiple different things, you know, you, you talk about a wave, right, in the ocean, and what happens, you know, with the water, it swells up, right, and then as it comes up to this peak and it gets magnified, you know, the larger the swell, right, the larger the wave, and then the wave comes and it crashes over, and then you have this powerful outpouring of what takes place after the swell, but the swell always precedes Right, that toppling, the outpouring that comes next. Right. I just I feel like there is something really spe specific and significant with the word swell, and like Pastor Brian was saying, it's been something that has just been going over and over and over in my mind. And um, and I thought it was interesting as uh, I, I've been you know trying to study out swell and like asking God, God, what are you trying to say to me through this, and what what does it mean? What what are you saying? Like, I just let me hear your voice. Let me see this clearly. And as we were studying um, this this um, message from Mark. It was interesting that when it talks about Noah, when after, you know, the rains came and then they got out of the ark and they were the only ones that remained and that word being swell, I was like, God, there is something in this. There is something in this. And there is a remnant that is being raised up in this day. And we're going to get into it a little bit more in the end. But I believe that there's a part of the swell that people have been afraid of to step out into. And that there has been something that's going on in the inside. And, you know, when, when things swell, sometimes you, you want to kind of uh, move back from it. You want to kind of get away from it. But God is saying, don't cower backwards from this swell. You want to be a part of this swell. Because as things are beginning to swell, it's going to open up room. And it's going to give room for the Holy Spirit to move. And as you give room for the Holy Spirit to move, he's going to begin to manifest his power in and throughout you. And if you are in the right place in the right time, then he's going to use you for the gifts and the purposes that he has already instilled on the inside of you. And he wants you to know he hasn't left you, he hasn't forsaken you, but he has called you for such a time as this. And in this moment, he says, don't be afraid of the swell. Don't let fear guide, uh, guide your heart, but step out when you might be afraid. Step out into the waters, the unknown waters, and be that one who's standing on the rock in the midst of the storm when the waves are coming up around you and all you see is a bunch of waves and then a bunch of sky and you don't see any land and you don't see any stability around you. There's a rock on the... 
beneath you. There's a rock underneath your feet, and that rock is going to be that thing that, that stabilizes you and that you will find stability in that swell. You will not falter, and you will not lose your footing, and you will not fall off the rock because he is the rock. He is Jehovah Sali. He is the God most high. I just want to add to that for a quick minute. You know, one of the things that I, I love, love, love doing when I go to the ocean is, you know, going out into the ocean when all the waves are there and, you know, you get to do something sometimes called body surfing or using, you know, those body boards. And, and I really just kind of saw this as part of the, you know, the, the picture here is, is that, you know, when, when the waves are coming up and they're swelling up to the top, there's a timing, a perfect timing that takes place where as that wave goes up, if you hit it right with your boogie board or you hit it right with your body as you surf, you ride the swell in that wave all the way into shore. But if you hit it wrong, you know what happens? You go down for a really big crash underneath, the, underneath that wave and it breaks you. And I just believe that this was really part of what, what God's sharing about this is, is that there's a, there's a timing and there's a, there's, a, there's a way that as we ride the swell and are not afraid of it, because sometimes as that wave comes in, it looks, you know, pretty, pretty amazing at times. When we were, we were one week, we, we went out and it was just the best boogie board in all week, right? And the waves, I'm telling you, they were just monstrous. And if you hit them wrong, you were, it was trouble. But if you didn't, you were riding, it was just went on. And, and I remember at the end of the week, right, we were out at the beach, and I don't know why we recognized it, but they had this red flag, you know, floating on the beach. And it turned out, you know, the beach was closed all week, which we didn't know. And uh, we were out there, you know, riding in the, in the rough waters, right? And it just, it changed, it changed our perspective a little bit. But you have something you want to share on that? I just think that, like, the two things that are, are hitting me with this right now is preparation and timing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the preparation thing, or, um, sorry, not uh, preparation and uh, fear. The preparation part of it is that we had an expectation of doing something. And when we were putting our hand forth to do the thing, we brought with us what we needed. We were in our gear, we were in our bathing suit. We were, you know, we grabbed boogie boards and we went out there and we had a great expectation with the tools and everything that we need. And there's a thing about preparation. And I remember years ago that God, we are totally off our notes right now, but um, God had showed me that um, the thing he has said is that this is the year you need to prepare. You need to prepare. So I just kept walking around. I'm like, Brian, we need to prepare. He's like, well, what do we need to prepare for? I don't know, but we need to prepare for it. So let's just prepare. So I was like, okay, anything that seemed like it was out of place, I just began to prepare for. So I began to get my finances in order. I get, began to get um, my household in order. I began to purge my whole house so that I could have my house clean and in order so that like at the drop of a hat, whatever it was that I was preparing for, I could just immediately be ready and go. And so there's a thing about preparing where God is calling his children to prepare for things. And he's calling you into a season where uh, you're not just taken by surprise and things aren't just happening all of a sudden because, oh, you were uh, taken aback by it. But things are going to begin to happen because you were prepared for the thing. You might not know what it is that you're preparing for, but if you prepare for it, then you'll be ready for it. And so he's calling you to be ready in this time. And I believe that as he's calling you to be ready in this time, he's also calling you to step back from fear. He's calling you to step out into something that, that hasn't been done before. He's calling you to step out into a place where um, things seem like they have been uh, against you. Things seem like they have been tearing you down. Things seem like they have the possibility to knock you completely out of the race. And he's saying, if you prepare and if you go without fear of man, then I will bring you great places. And not only that, but you will enjoy the ride while you get there. You will enjoy the process of it. It will, it will not be something that is full of toiling and full of um, exhaustion. It will be something that he builds you up from the inside out. And so with that, with fear of the Lord, I don't know why we went off all the way onto this, but I did insert here that I felt like there was something prophetic. So. No problem. <laughs> why don't you read up on Genesis 8.1? This is where the whole message started from, Genesis 8-1. And this is, I heard actually a message, uh, it wasn't a message, it was a podcast, and somebody read Genesis 8-1. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark, and God made a, I don't know what the next part of it is. And God made a, 
I don't think you wrote the next Wind part to pass over the earth oh, and the go. waters to subside. There we go. <laughs> but the part that I want to go back to is, can you go back to the slide before where it says that God remembered Noah? And mm. on the podcast, they, they posed the question, why would God need to remember Mo uh, Noah? Why did he forget him? And I was like, God doesn't forget us. And I was like getting all fired up. And I was like, I got to look into this because God doesn't forget us. So when I looked into this word remembered there, it's not God remembered Noah like we would think. It's God marked Noah. He was distinct and he was set apart, uh, set apart. And God put his mark on him. And that's what God meant by the word remember. Then God marked Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided and in that moment that was the beginning of things and so we can really see the prog progression of Noah and his family being marked in this time number one there was a prophecy before he even knew what his life was going to entail there was a prophecy there was a prophetic word that said you are going to be the one who brings comfort to these people number two there was consecration they had to live set apart they had to live their lives differently than their neighbors lived they had to live their lives in a way that didn't look like the status quo number three obedience he had to be obedient completely all the way to the very end even though it took him a hundred years he had to build that ark even though people People probably ridiculed him he, he had to build that ark even though he was maybe the misfit he had to build that ark and number four they became the remnant they were the ones who remained they were the ones who are swelling up now in the earth and the Bible says that there is going to be a remnant that comes in the end days and we are part of that remnant if you are a child of God you are a part of the remnant that Christ has reserved for the last days you know, there's another example of that that takes place uh, in the book of Exodus uh, a little bit later on, and that's in Exodus 12. And it talks about even, this is when all of the plagues were coming in into the children of Israel. And it's interesting, even as they go through all of the plagues in the children of Israel, uh, through the land of Egypt, okay, and you know, and you guys are familiar, you know, they had, you know, the blood turned colors, you know, flies came, you know, different things all took place. And every time that one of these things take, took place, it also talked about how the children of Israel were actually in the land of Goshen, and none of the plagues came upon them in the land of Goshen. God had marked that whole territory and separated it out and distinguished it from that of the Egyptians so that it would be made known what God was doing. And so it says in here, and it said, and, and, and there was a whole prophecy that ended up taking place where God had said, you know, do this, do this, do this, right? And then in the last plague that he brought on was that where it says that everything was, every firstborn in the land was going to die. And he, and it says, and he told, he told the children of Israel, and this was that of the Passover, right? And he says, you know, so slay the lamb, and then, you know, take the blood of that and put it on the doorpost of your home, and I want you to stay inside the household, okay? But then, and then it says afterwards, actually, in Exodus 12, 13, it says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And that word sign, you know what it talks about being a signal? It talks about being a beacon, an evidence, but you know what it also is? It's a mark. It's marked, and that's exactly what God said that day, is he said, put the mark of the blood on the doorpost of your home, and just like that later came and represented that of what Christ actually came and did for us as well, we were marked that day, and in the Passover, they were marked. And you know what took place here? The same process that took place with Noah. There was a prophecy that took place. Then there was a consecration that took place with the children of Israel. They were set apart, and they were marked, and then they did it. You know what? They had to obey the instructions. There was an obedience that needed to take place. If they decided that they weren't going to slay that lamb, if they decided that they were just going to stay outside the doorpost, they were not going to be residing inside the house where the protection of God was under the blood that was already put there, you know, what would have happened? They would have died. So there had to be an obedience. Noah, you know what he had to do? He had to get inside the ark. And God shut the door. But then you know what was produced out of this? There was a remnant that was produced. And it actually says, and it shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord 
the Lord's law shall be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. And this was the sign that took place, right? When the children of Israel left Egypt, you know what they left with? They left with all the wealth of Egypt with them. It was by a strong hand that God brought the deliverance from them. And I believe this was so important, right? And here's the thing. I want you guys to even get this picture. You know how old Moses was? Do you know how old Aaron was? They were already 80 years of age. They were just getting started in God's plan that he had for their lives. At 80 years of age, you know what that tells me? Pastor Luke, you're just getting started. We, Moses didn't retire at 80. He went on to fulfill, and every step of the journey that we have in our lives, whether we are just coming into this world or we're about to leave this world, there's a plan and there's a purpose that God has for you in it, and we are to fulfill that, not in just one leg of the journey, but through the whole picture that we have. From start to finish, God's got a call for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. There's a plan for your life because you've been marked by God. And I believe that I'm going to hand that back over to Sherry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> but we have been marked. As children of the Most High God, we also have been marked by God. And I like that verse that he read in Exodus there when it says, It shall be as a sign to you on your hand as, and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. The sign that is written, that, that mark that is meant, written, how many know in the end days there are two marks that are going to happen? And at first when I was writing this message, I was like, God, I don't really think that this is, like I didn't think it had anything to do with end times. But as I wrote the message, I felt like God was saying this is not just for end times. This is for the times. This is for this time now. And so there are two marks that happen. The first mark I want to talk about is exactly that. As Christians, as children of the Most High God, we have been marked by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7, 2-3 says, Then I saw another angel ascending from the east. This is the revelation of John. It says, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. There's that word, seal, marked. Having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and to the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. That's, that's, that was a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. And so here he's saying is that, you know what, we know that the tribulation is coming, if not already here. We know that, that times are just not necessarily going to be better around us. We know that the Bible says that so as the days of wickedness in Noah's day, so it will be in the last days. And so we know that things like this are going to happen. But the question is, are we going to be sealed as the servants of the Most High God? Are we going to be sealed by, by the blood of the Lamb? Or are we going to live like our neighbors? Are we going to engage in the wickedness that's happening around us? Or are we going to set ourselves apart and say, no, you know what? I've been marked for God. I've been marked for a purpose. I have something that I need to fulfill. And I, I have something that I need to do. And so we have been sealed or sealed stamped with a signet or a private mark for security and preservation. Romans 11, 1 to 5 says, I say then, this is one of my favorite things. I say that all the time, so I don't know. A lot of things are my favorite. It says, I say then, God, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, for I, am also, for I also am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. He already knew you, and he has not cast you away. It says, don't you know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed your prophets, and they've torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. In this moment, what happened to all the prophets back in, in the book of, I think it, Exodus? I don't know, whatever book it was. And you guys can look it up. Like the kings. And the kings, and the kings. Yep. When, when the, the prophets, they were, um, Jezebel was killing all the prophets. And so here Elijah's like, I'm the only one who's left. And, and now she's after me. She wants to kill me. And so this is what this is referencing. It says, but what does the divine response say to him? It says, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
Even so then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And that is what we are. We are that remnant that is called for such a time as this. We are that remnant where we need to step out in the days that we are living in right now and know that we have been designed for a purpose for today. Not for the future, not for tomorrow, not for next week, not for at another time, but today we are designed for what needs to happen today in our life and what we need to accomplish in this, in this moment. And so Revelation 7, 9 to 12, I want to read this real quick. It says, after these things, I, I had such a great time reading Revelations this week. I, I was supposed to be writing the message when we got home from the conference, and I kept coming out, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm really struggling because I really got into reading Revelation. It was just really excited. <laughs> so Revelation 7, 9 to 12, book. it's a really good book. It says, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hand crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And this is, this is us. This is the remnant. This is that multitude of all people, tribes, tongue. That means every one of you, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you are part of this remnant. And you are part of that where you are standing before him, worshiping him, saying, God, to all glory, honor, power, and praise to you, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You know, just before we wrap up, I just want to tie one of the points that she was making reference to. It talked about in those, in those passages in, in the book of Revelation, it talked how we were marked and we were sealed, okay, by God. And there was also, there's another verse in there that talks about in Revelations 13, 16 to 17, and it says, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And this is really what I wanted to tie back onto this, which is interesting. A lot of times people are just, are very consumed with talking about the mark of the beast, right? You know, it's probably been going on for decades. You know, we hear about it all the time now, but it's always, you know, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. But here's the thing I wanna, I wanna bring back just to the story to Noah really quick as we're wrapping up here. In the days of Noah, it says that God marked those who were corrupt in the earth, and he marked them for their destruction. And then it says that he also marked Noah for that, that of salvation in the ark. And in the last days, we don't got to worry about being marked for destruction. What we got to worry about is making sure that we are marked for salvation. And that is the key here, is our emphasis is not on the mark of the beast, but is being marked in by God Almighty and having his seal and being bought with the blood of Jesus upon our lives. Because that is what is important. Noah wasn't worried about the corrupt men and women that were around him on that day as it was in the days of Noah. What he was concerned about was making sure that he was living a righteous life, that he was walking in the full provision of what God had for him in that day. And Noah was marked by God to preserve mankind and bring rest and comfort to a planet that was dying. There's a difference being about being marked, and there's both marked for, for the purposes of God, and there's also marked for the destruction. That's right. Let's all stand to our feet. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about being marked today, <clears throat> and we can't go through talking about being marked without actually talking about the ultimate marks, the ultimate scars that happened for you and for me. And we can read in Isaiah 53, 5, where it says that he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus bore, his wounds bore our rebellion, 
His wounds bore our sin, and his wounds bore our transgressions. It's something that caused him to feel the human feeling of complete rejection and separation from God. And there are those of you here who have felt that rejection, but you're not alone because God went to the cross and felt all that rejection that you would walk through in your life. It says he was bruised for perversity, the morally evil that is targeting you, even in this time. The wickedness that we were talking about that went on in the days of Noah, that are going on in today's day, that are after you, that are after your children, that are after your grandchildren, that are after your family. He died knowing that he needed that to be taken care of. He endured, and he brought the ability of humanity's safety back into alignment with God's divine plan. He was bringing your well-being back into alignment, your welfare, your health, your prosperity, your peace. He was bringing all back into right standing, into alignment with God. He interceded on your behalf. He saw your face before him. He suffered your pain, every pain that you've ever experienced in your life. He suffered it, your heartache, your sin, and he bridged the gap and he made a way so that you could have a personal relationship with God the Father so that you wouldn't be left alone in your darkness, in your hurting, in the pain. Jesus is the door. And you know, the world offers so many opportunities for things to heal you and offers all of these things that are counterfeit to what Jesus actually came to do to set you free and to make you whole again. There is no way but through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the one who has made a way because of what he did on the cross. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never been marked by the blood of the Lamb, I want to give you the opportunity right now to make him the Lord of your life. I want to give you the opportunity, opportunity to say, I want to be sealed by his seal of the Most High God. If that's you right now, just repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood so that I could have forgiveness, so that I could be made whole. I receive your Son as the Lord of my life. Thank you for what you did. And today I choose to live my life in consecration to you. Thank you for hearing my cry in Jesus' name. You know, Christ redeemed your soul at the cross. And if you had just prayed that prayer for the first time, you've invited Christ into your life and you have made him your personal Lord and Savior. And Christ did that work at Calvary. And if you got the communion elements with you today, I just want you guys, we're just gonna take that bread that's there and just break it in half. It says this was Christ's body it represents that was broken for us as he redeemed mankind. And it says to take part in this and remember, as Christians, we wanna remember. Sometimes we get away and we forget. Remember what Christ did for you. So Lord, this day we remember, Father, that you were beaten and you were bruised, Father, and you were broken, Father, so that we didn't have to be. And Lord Jesus, we remember the cross of Jesus Christ. Let us partake. When Jesus went to the cross, he couldn't have just died for you. There had to be shedding of blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And all in the Old Testament, we see how they had to make sacrifices over and over for the remission of sins. And they basically cast their sins onto the perfect lamb 
that was sacrificed there. And when Jesus went to the cross, he became that perfect lamb. He was that perfect lamb, but he shed his blood and he became that sacrifice so that you could be made whole, so that you could have life, so that you could have life more abundantly. And so, Father, as we take this cup, we do so in remembrance of what you did for us, how your blood heals, how there is life in the blood, and how there is power in the blood. And today, Father, we thank you that you have made us whole and you have made us free. And your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you for your blood in Jesus' name. As we close out today, turn to the one next to them and tell them that they're marked. Point at yourself and say, I'm marked by God. Tell them that they're marked by God. We just uh, enjoyed having the opportunity to minister the word of the Lord to you today. I want you guys to be blessed as you are leaving today. Take a moment and introduce yourself to somebody new today and say hi. We are all part of the family and the body of Christ, and I just wish you a good and a prosperous day, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the Lighthouse Prayer. Amen. You're dismissed. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Those that have tuned in this morning, we want to welcome you. I want to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Luke. This is my wife, Christine. And what a wonderful message we just heard on being marked by God. What did you think of it, sweetheart? I thought it was really excellent. Uh, so many people don't realize that they truly are marked of God when they become a Christian. And they begin to uh, see themselves in the wrong light. But you know, when you get a message like this, it brings the awareness that you are marked by God and he has a plan and a purpose for you. And it may not always be what you think it should be, but it's a plan and a purpose that he has. Pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry did use great examples from the word of God this morning. They used Noah's story that God had marked him to save mankind from a life of sin by building an ark in the same manner when the plagues were released upon the nation of Israel God made a way by marking the doorposts of everybody's house by the blood of Jesus to save them from the death angel in the same manner you and I today we are marked for a purpose. We're marked by God. And sometimes we don't really recognize it on the onset, but I'm telling you, God's got a plan and a purpose for these last days that's got you and I involved. Very much so. Um, I, I find that in this day and age, many people are functioning in fear and anxiety. And uh, when we begin to realize that God has a purpose and plan for us, as men and women and children of God that we don't need to fear. He's already marked us. He's already prepared the way for us. And so often we go into this panic mode because we're listening to the world rather than listening to what the Word of God has to say to us. I always say the Bible has such a wonderful roadmap before us that there is nothing we need to be afraid of. He's already made all the preparations we're ever going to need in order to live this life in this world and overcome and be marked and come out in the safety that God has for us. Amen. Um, it's exciting to hear that God's got a remnant marked by him to fulfill his purpose, just like he did in the, time, the days of Noah. And it's, that's you and I. And if you've accepted Jesus and you're born again, you've been marked by God because he, he will fulfill his plan and purpose. And let me just share this little story with you. Uh, just a few weeks ago, 
I watched a video of a man that was raised from the dead, that had been dead for three days. As we listened to his story, he had been, he was on his bike and he was hit by a car that threw him 30 feet. And when that, when I heard that, the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance that 40 years, 50 years prior to that, I seen the same picture of my brother being hit and thrown into the air for 30 feet. And I remember Holy Spirit was showing me mm -hmm. that that night I got on my knees next to my bed and I made a deal with God. And I says, if you spare his life, I'll commit my life to yours, to serving you all the days of my life. And you know, when I realized that, I knew right then and there that God had marked me and he had a plan for my life. And I'm telling you, it's been a, such a wonderful journey in the last 40 years of serving him that uh, it's just unbelievable mm -hmm. that w we don't have to be afraid in these last days, that whatever he's called us to do, he's called a remnant, that many will miss the mark. He says, even the people that aren't saved are marked for destruction. But we're marked for life. Amen. To Amen. spend eternity with him. And what a full, wonderful provision. Amen. Um, I was also, I've been brought back many times. I always said, how did I get saved? I don't remember any Christians in my family or anyone praying for me. And God brought me back to a prayer I used to do as a little girl. And that is the prayer of inviting Jesus into my heart. And uh, the Lord brought that back to me that I was actually praying my future into being because I was marked by him to start having a generation of people that are saved in our bloodline. And you know, we also learn today, as it was in the days of Noah, why did God raise Noah to save that generation? Because it was corrupt and it was uh, on a path of destruction. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in a day and hour where there's great corruption upon the face of this earth, this very time we're living in. But we don't have to be part of that corruption. We have been marked and set apart to live this life and to be an inspiration to mankind that in these last days, that Jesus paid the price for the debt of our sin, that we can have eternal life with him if we just invite him into our hearts and make him Lord of our lives. I tell you, you'll be marked for eternity. Amen. I know uh, myself, I was not looking for the Lord at all. I really didn't want anything to do with him. But the amazing part is God didn't give up on me and he pursued me and he wooed me and he ministered to me and finally I did give my heart to him and it made all the difference in the world. And may I invite you to make Jesus Lord of your life because it will change your life for eternity. And it is good to serve the Lord. He is a faithful God. And he has a call for you. And he wants you to come into his kingdom to serve him, to be a blessing to others. But he also wants to bless you in that journey. I was so encouraged today by this message. You know, it was a message of hope that people need to hear in these last days. You know, the enemy is trying to trip us up through fear and He's out there just like in the times of Noah. Imagine what people must have uh, thought of Noah when God asked him to build an ark. And it took him 100 years to build that ark. What do you think his neighbors thought of him? They'd never seen a flood before. And oftentimes God will ask us to do things, to step out of the box that people might not understand and they might reject what you're doing, but that's okay. The key is to be obedient and to be consecrated for whatever mark that he's placed on our lives to fulfill his destiny. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, 
when you uh, were working at Ford's, and uh, you made a decision that you were going to follow God wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you started speaking out about some things that were going on there and how you were actually persecuted for doing that. Mm -hmm. But in the end, years later, some of these people that persecuted you were the very ones that came and called for him to come and minister life as they were on their deathbeds. So you see, no matter what it looks like, we do have an impact on people. And as long as we stay faithful to God, he'll use us. Amen. Amen. So with that said, being set apart, consecrated, God expects obedience from us. And whatever he's going to call you to do, he'll give you the grace to do it. There's things that I've done in the last 40 years. If you'd have told me that 40 years ago, I'd have said, come on. You're missing it, but I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient, Amen. and it's been a wonderful journey, and it's, it's been nice traveling with him all these last 40 years. So I want to encourage you this morning, whoever have tuned in, don't be afraid. Let mark, God mark you, and I'm telling you, it'll be the greatest decision you ever make in your lifetime. Amen. So I want to thank everybody for Amen. tuning in. And uh, if you get a chance, tune in and listen to this message this morning at Inspiration Nine Church. I also want to encourage you to join us in prayer tomorrow night for Lighthouse Prayer at 630. We have a wonderful time of prayer. Amen. God said in his word that in the last days we'd be known as a house of prayer. So I want to encourage everyone to join us for an hour of prayer and to advance this kingdom. Allow God to mark you as his. And uh, be encouraged. There's nothing to be afraid of in Jesus' name. And come and check us out on Sundays. We would love to have you visit and uh, be able to speak with you. Um, we're a young church and we're growing. And the messages here have been really powerful and wonderful and life-changing in so many ways. But Inspiration 9 Church is a family church. We care about every individual and uh, we love each individual and we just want to grow as a family in the oneness that god has provided for us yeah so we welcome you anytime you want to come <laughs> so we thank you for joining us today and uh, i just want to encourage you to tune in uh, it's been great to pick up our cross and to follow him um, let the joy of the Lord be your strength this week. Whatever God's got in store for you, allow him to mark you as his. Amen. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Be blessed.